Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Club. First rule of Book Club is you must always talk about Book Club. Second rule of Book Club is tell everyone about Book Club. Well, another week and another new book, Michael. Yes. This week, we begin what I'm quite excited about as Gap Selling by Keenan. Yes, we do. I mean, it's got a good diamond on the front page, hasn't it? Fresh by, and provocative by the guy, the co-author of The Challenger Sale. You can't knock that. It's a good start for the guy. You can't knock that, actually. And I've got to say, you know, the more of these books that we read, you pick it up and you think, that's a good, solid, well-produced hardback book. Who published it? Don't know, but you, you know, I, I... I think it's a self-publish. Is it? Cover and book design by KS Revivo. Yeah, you know I, th- I think this is a self-publish. This is a serious piece of bookage. It's a good bit of kit. Exactly, yeah. It feels like a like an important tome. It does, but that's important, you know. It is. Um, and we're going to discuss uh, part one today, I believe. Yes, I think we've done the first five chapters, haven't we? That's correct, yes. So strap yourselves in, everybody. Um, we are on the first five chapters of Gap Selling. Great to have Tim on the show last week. I liked him, yeah. I thought he was a good guy. Yeah, really, really good. And uh, A lot of respect for him. As, as evidenced by actually a lot of the social media uptake that we've had on some of the sort of micro posts Lauren's been putting out on that. So, also by Keenan, not taught what it takes to be successful in the 21st century that nobody's teaching you. Well, I hope someone teaches me. Well, hopefully he'll tell us. Yeah. Um, and I, I made a couple of notes. You know me. I start a book at, at the sleeve liner. Okay. Um, people don't buy from people they like. Mm, agreed. No, your buyer doesn't care about you or your product or service. Okay. It's not your job to overcome objections, it's your buyers. Closing isn't the skill of good salespeople, it's the skill of weak salespeople. Price isn't the main reason salespeople lose the sale. Gap selling shreds traditional and closely held sales beliefs that have been hurting salespeople for decades. And then he, he, he makes a couple of comments in the just in the sleeve liner. Today's sales world is littered with glorified order takers, beholden to a frustrated buyer, unable to influence the sale and create value. I thought, all right, you've got my attention here, fella. Okay. So let us begin. Praise for gap selling. It's not quite, the praise isn't quite the level of that which some of the other authors that we've worked with have. You know, I've not really heard of any of these companies. It doesn't say sort of Microsoft, IBM, you know, but that's not the point. It's got some What, have you never been to the Turf Valley Resort? I haven't, no. Okay. Okay. So, gap selling, getting the customer to yes, how problem-centric selling increases sales by changing everything you know about relationships, overcoming objections, closing, and price. Dedicated to his daughters. Good for him. And then there's a little clarion call to salespeople everywhere um, at the beginning of the book, really, which I, I do like. We create the reasons the customer goes dark. We create the focus on price. We allow the competition. And I like that. He's really... It's the first text of its kind where somebody has perhaps started saying the things that go unsaid. Do you know, I've been sitting here because I've got a slightly different view of it, actually. All right, well, let's let's get stuck in. So we might fall out about this one today, I think. Well, you know, we'll still be friends at the end. 
I don't know whether Keenan will. Well, he's coming on the show. Yeah. Isn't yeah, he? He is. He uh, is. He's coming on the show. Win, lose or draw, he's coming on the show. Laura, could I have a little bit more? Thank you. That's great. I can hear it a bit better now. Sorry about that, listeners. I, I couldn't quite hear my headphones. Okay. So, um, chapter one. Do you want to tell us a bit about chapter one, Mike? Yeah, I mean, so chapter one. Uh, so, so let's start with his writing style. The word that was used by one of the sycophant stroke um, praisers at the beginning of the book is irreverent. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I, I, I see what it is to me with the writing style. I think the content is good. Yeah. I don't like how it's written. Okay. I think a lot of that might be that you yourself are a very understated human being. No, it's not that. It's that I don't consider myself to be a rock star because I don't think the SUV or the two the, or the two daughters and a dog necessarily lend itself to that. And I've got to say, I think there's a real, this sort of, this undercurrent of a backlash currently in just the general business world where everybody is against admitting the fact that we're business people who wear suits and ties and shirts and he writes it in the context and the style that, no, we're all rock stars here ready to rebel, man. And I just don't like that at all. I don't like the way it's written in that style at all. I really dislike it. Maybe because I'm a rock star, I've not noticed said tone. I really don't like the tone of that at all. <laughs> and I think it appeals to people who are who want to very gently rebel like teenagers do when they get their nose pissed. And that is the style of the book that I just don't like at all. So then when I put that to the side and actually started reading it and ignored it, I do think it's quite good. So there we are. I will look out for the tone. I, I, I... Uh, well, let's look out for the tone. Let's look at the first line that I read. The first line. Welcome to the game. No, the first Chapter line. Chapter one. Hey, salespeople, you guys rock. Yeah. Oh, that, I, shut up. Yeah, I didn't quite like that either, if I'm honest. But the, that's the tone of it. You are the but, extreme athletes of the business world. But the content of it, let's get into content of it, because I could... I, because I, I could talk about that all day. So chapter one... Basically, but maybe that's the quintessentially British part of you, Mike. Probably, possibly. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the part of me that thinks that, that thinks client, that salespeople should be taken seriously. Not as guys who rock. Yeah. You rock. Yeah, because I think you're denigrating your own importance. It's not, wa- it's not, it's not you're Wayne's denigrating world, your own. It? Well, what, what's going to happen if a doctor walks out and says that to you? You rock. Yeah, hey, right, I rock. Well, I'd rather you didn't rock. I'd rather you concentrated on my heart operation, thank you. So anyway, so chapter one, he gives a nice analogy about uh, an American football game yeah. where he's talking basically about understanding the rules of the game and then you can play within it. Yes. And that fundamentally is chapter and one. And I thought that was and a nice very, analogy, actually. Absolutely it was a lovely, lovely analogy. Superb. And what he's saying is, and he's going back, whether it's true or not, but uh, what, 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 he's, what he's sort of selling is saying is that he didn't understand the rules of American football and therefore... He followed one line of access and therefore it was unsuccessful. And, and this point he's making is, actually, it's getting people to realise that this is a game is this selling thing. I don't think it was saying that, actually. I think what it was saying is, it's saying people have got to understand the context of, of, of what the, are the rules parameters of the parameters of, of it. Of, of I, being I, a salesperson. What I are mean, the rules of the absolutely game? absolutely 100% right. Absolutely. You know. He makes a great point here on, uh, on page 11. 
As time marches on, I've grown increasingly frustrated with the state of the selling union. The fundamentals of selling have not changed, brackets, and never will. But in recent years, as sales organisations have increasingly transitioned from field sales to inside sales and from outbound to inbound, salespeople are struggling to set appointments and win deals. Buyers are far more educated and resistant to the traditional selling methods salespeople use to drive sales. I underline sales. the same bit. And he's, um, he's 100% right. And I sort of put... Um, I sort of agree and I sort of don't, because actually I think that buyers are... He, he talks about their resist... I think that buyers are resistant to the new way of selling. I actually think, and you and I have both found this, that actually a really well-made cold call nowadays is almost a novelty. Yes, I do agree with that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. You're, you're 100% right about it's that. It's almost like, oh my God, a well-made cold call by somebody who knows what Not he's doing. Not just some email from some fellow I've never heard of. On, on an automated sequence. Yeah, yeah. But actually a well-made cold call that was polite, professional, well done. Actually, it's almost, and I'm almost, you know, from my, my own experience recently, you know, I've been doing a, a bit of canvassing recently on some stuff. I'm also finding it's easy to get past gatekeepers. Really because easy. I don't think anybody's trying it. I completely agree. So I, mean, I, I sort of agree and I sort of don't. He then goes on to make another good point, which, I mean, this is what frustrates me a little bit about how the book's written, because I do agree with him. He also Losing says people a deal are, somehow is always somebody else's fault. You're so right, Keenan. Absolutely. 100% right. And then he says, salespeople have become overly reliant on selling tools. Agre agreed. Agreed. Um, and then he says, uh, you know, and I think this is the bit you don't like with the sort what, of crystal language. people suck at selling? Yeah. You I suck. Like, I don't like the language. I do get his point. Yeah, and I think where we've gone from is the professionalism of collaborative sale and its research-backed approach. Yes. yes. Published by a major publisher to the secret to no more sucking. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the points he makes are absolutely 100% right. Bang on, yeah. He's, you know, too many salespeople are bad at selling. Tell me about it. Yep. I've spent 19 years talking to salespeople. Agreed. Um, and then he says, you know, you're going to learn how to read prospects' minds during discovery. I wrote, really? I don't like the sound of that. You don't learn to read people's minds. The moment you start thinking you're reading someone's mind, you're in trouble. Uh, yeah. But I'll tell you what I did like. Influence the change process. Yes, influence. Absolutely. You know, and we've, we, we've not over the year, it's, it's coming up for a year since we started making book club. Over that time... We just, you know, I can't, I'm looking at the books on the on the table here now. I think we've got pretty much all of the ones we've done. There's not many where they talk about influence. No. Who talks about influence? The wolf. Yeah. Influence. Changing people's minds. Absolutely. Then chapter two is a much bigger chapter, actually. He calls it the nine truthdoms of selling. Truth bombs. Truth bombs, yeah. And I agree with every single point he makes. So let's talk. So he basically says... Number one, no problem, no sale. Agreed. Yes, he's 100% right. Yeah, he's basically saying if there isn't a problem that the customer's trying to solve, they ain't buying anything. Apart from the collaborative sale doesn't actually agree with that. Because the collaborative sales sales process says you should micro-market before the problem comes up. Yeah, but I think if the customer doesn't have a problem to solve, then I mean, I, I agree with um, from Keenan. in our I, paradigm. I didn't, agree with, I didn't agree with Tim about that. No, it? in our paradigm and in our universe, a candidate that isn't solving a problem doesn't move jobs. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. That that's the reality. Uh, truth number two: in every sale, there is a gap. 
this is a little taster into what the gap that he's going to go into is. Yes, um, and he's going to go into it in much more depth. Yeah, yeah, but but he's absolutely right. The bit I underlined here was the worst thing in the world you can do at the beginning of a sale is to take your buyer's word for granted or to sell to a need. Yeah, never sell to need if you only solve no, the problem. right. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and his point is quite fair because he said, it's not your buyer's fault. He said your buyer's just presenting you with their need. And it's your job to uncover well, why it's a need. Nine times out of ten, it. they don't present you with the need. They just present you with a want. Yeah, well, yeah, true. True. Liked it. And then he and then he goes into um, a, a little diagram about the current state, the future state. That's the gap between the two points, and that's where the value lives. So he says your value in the sale, your job is to analyse the gap. Agreed. And in fairness, that's what the book about. But he is right, actually. And a lot of this it has real truisms in our world. It has truisms in every world. I would imagine thought. so, yeah. yeah, yeah you know, exactly. and he's talking about customers don't like change even when they say they do. Yeah, that's so true in our universe, isn't it? Well, a lot of candidates put up with a, with a, with a bad job. How many people do we know where they will actually... They'll put up with it for years and years. Well, a lot of, so, you know, of the sales directors, you know, hiring managers that are listening to this, how many of you have got salespeople that are behind target in your sales team? Oh, every single one of you. Yeah, there are sales there are sales leaders who will put up with a, a ropey Absolutely. sales guy and there are a, a sales guys who will put up with a ropey job. All sales are about change, truth three. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. Sales are emotional. And again, you know, I, I've talked a lot about this whilst we've been making book club. I just don't think enough people are writing enough talking enough and really driving enough about i find over the year we've been re recording this show not a lot of people talk about the concept of getting inside a customer's head i do agree not many of them do at all actually about really getting inside somebody's head because then he breaks down sales or emotion into, into the different emotional elements and of that's it. really and useful. they're all excellent loss of and control uncertainty, yeah. surprises etc etc absolutely excellent loss of face insecurity and about really getting that Yes, I agree. And I and I do hope that the book is going to expand on that. I think this book's a bit more of a talking point than a manual, actually. Which I'm not, I don't have an issue with, actually. I think it's, I, I quite like that. Customers do like change when they feel it's worth the cost. I think he could have yeah. made that a lot longer. It's very accurate. Well, I think he's going to expand on these nine truth bombs. I've, you know, I've not even flicked through the rest of the book. I, I haven't, I haven't. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, asking why gets customers to yes. I mean, I remember. It's the best question. So easy. It, it, it's a it even just do you want to buy it yeah why it's literally invites and buys remorse just all oh, right great what is it about it that's made you confident you want to buy it you don't want to buy it why yeah all oh, right what's happening that means you don't want to go ahead yeah brilliant it, it, it's so simple why obviously sometimes being as confrontational as go why uh, no, it, no it, my clients seem all right with it yeah uh, truth eight sa sales happen when the future state is a better state agreed 100 percent and then there's a subheading about understanding the current state to improve the, improve the future state. I don't agree with this one, and I don't like his language again. No one gives a shit about you. Yeah, I don't like his language. I'm going to stop going on about but it. But do you disagree with that? I do, yeah. I don't think that's true. I think some people do. Maybe I'm, I'm being overconfident about some of the clients that I work with, but I'm sure some of the clients like me. And I'm sure some of the clients do care about me. I think that if we put on LinkedIn tomorrow, Inward Revenue is going to go bankrupt because we've got no clients. I bet some people would ring him. <laughs> I bet they would. Uh, do clients care? I think a lot the of point, clients don't. I, 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 and he's saying don't take it for granted that they do. And he's actually saying... I think his point he's really trying to make is 
and I and this is a big bugbear for me. Often when I do a, a deal analysis with a candidate during an interview, and I'll say, "Tell me about a deal that you won that best demonstrates your ability to make a difference uh, in the outcome of a deal." I'm smiling for those of you who are listening because I just know what what's coming in. And I would say so often. When I start to get into what was it about what you did that made the difference, I'll say it was the relationship I had with the client. And the candidates have no idea what they mean by that. And they've no idea what they mean by that. And they genuinely think, oh, they often a candidate will have no idea about the fact that what he's really saying is, I think the client likes me more than the other guy. It's not like, is it? (laughs) Well, did he really? Is that the basis upon which that client spent three million pounds? I agree and, completely. And what I think a lot of people do mistake, and I think he is right, and I think the point he's trying to make is, let's not confuse the quality of our relationship with the quality of our salesmanship. Yes, I do agree with that. And it, he perhaps could have been a little bit more specific. And a lot of people think, if I'm likeable and they love me and we have great relationships and I'm a relationship builder... It'll all be good. I mean, it's a good start, let's be clear. Of but. course it is. And what are good business relationships based on? Truth, professionalism, honesty, integrity, your ability to ask questions that get the clients to think and believe you're credible. So it's a much bigger conversation. What, what do you think But about the it? point he is also trying to make is the deal's not about you. Well, he goes on further to say, I promise you, no one gives a shit about you, your company or your product. He's right. I just don't think he is. I really do not, I, I just don't think that's the case. They care, I think people care about their problems. They care about their com, their problems. But actually, nobody, you know, people are human. We're I human beings. You're talking about ruling out the human psyche. Just not the case, that. And how, how, how important is it that you win a sale? Well, you know, that's a different question. Do they care about their own outcomes before your outcomes first? Yes. Do they care about how much the solution meets the business's requirements first? Yes. You know, are you fairly low down the pecking order? Yes, but I just don't believe that. Um, I, I like the bit before it actually where he goes, we're in the show me economy. Yeah. It's very similar to actually what Tim Sullivan was saying in collaborative sale. Yeah, very much so. Right. And by what it means by that is that actually people, you know, uh, the tell me economy was pre-internet. We're in the show me economy where prospects can do some of their own research first. Yeah, so they're already at a point often by the time they engage with a salesperson where they're saying, look, mate, show me the product now. Absolutely. I want to see it more. And even, and, and actually, in a lot of cases, they've already seen it by the time they've engaged with the salesman. Yes, often, yeah. Or tried it. <clears throat> often, yeah. Tried it, implemented it, installed it, run it. So it's nine truth bombs. I thought, I, you know, I, 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 I thought overall they were, they, they, they were good and I agreed with them, actually, I must say. Chapter three, the current state, where customers are. Where they are. I put a uh, nice chapter, agreed with it all. Doesn't ever seem to give any method, only narrative to the situation, which I don't have a problem with, but it's not like a manual, is it, this book? I'm, go- I'm looking forward to speaking to the guy, I must say. Okay, I- I've made a note here, which is page 40 on this subject, the, the current state where, oh. cu- where customers are. Now, mine's a little bit higher up. It says, the thing is, this. he talks about the parent show- having a showdown with the child. Um... 
And what he talks about is he said, your customers have a current state that includes everything we've talked about so far, their feelings about change, their intrinsic motivations, the realities of their business, the facts of their work lives. Their current state is the world they live in, their perceived reality. And when we salespeople understand our buyer's current state, we're in a much better position to effectively communicate, which also puts us in a good position to find solutions to their problems. Bang on. Really valid. I, I think that there is a little bit of a challenge here, which is in the modern economy that we're operating in at the moment, that kind of salesmanship is very unscalable. It's hard to scale. It's right. And to me, it resonates immensely as a sales guy. It really resonates with me because that's how I was taught to sell. You get deep, you understand your customer, you know everything there is to know, you understand what's going on inside the customer's head. That's how I was taught. But actually, mm. if you look at the businesses that are really successful at the moment, I mean, I've just come off the phone from a customer success call with a technology vendor that we're working with. They are rapid, rapid, rapid growth. They're not doing that. Why? And nor do they need to. Nor do they need to. Why? Because they are blitz scaling the business based on automation and technology. And actually, they don't want to get deep inside well, you end up my in head. an employment trap, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Where I can only employ people who are I can only pretty much clinical psychologists. Correct. I can only employ people who are incredibly bright, incredibly smart, and have a natural affinity towards understanding the human psyche. And yep. so it, 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 he's bang right, and I love it, but it's not scalable. So if, I had, if, if you're out there and you're listening and you're in your car right now and you're a sales leader... I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about that. A is both a leader of a business myself because we've tried to get people to think like that. We've been down that route, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Bloody hard to scale that. Very hard. Current state is the unique identifier for every prospect. You pipeline, bang on. Critical to get as much current state info, bang on. All great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's the problems. People don't buy products, they buy solutions. You know, he's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he talks about the impacts, which is it. He's sort of picking up on a bit of spin selling here, isn't he? Situation problem. It felt quite spinny, actually. Yeah, situation say. problem, implication need. Um, he's really in the spin place with this now. I liked his bit on page 44 about the root cause. Yeah. He's talking about why problems exist because something isn't working right and, and so on and so forth. And actually, <clears throat> that I mean, that's sort of the end of the chapter. But I did like that chapter. You know, he's... He's basically talking about getting a little bit deeper into the understanding of where you're at with yeah. somebody. I did, right. I did write in the footnote at the end of the chapter, I do hope we aren't going to get into a load of dismal amateur psychology here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we will because it's not, I hope not. a manual, is it? No, I, I, I hope not. I hope we're not going to get into some very thin and crispy amateur psychology. I don't think we are. And then he talks about chapter four. Future state is where customers want to go. Oh, do you know, I skipped through chapter four when I flipped the page because it's only... I do quite like that, actually. It's two and a half pages long, right? Good. You like the fact that it's two and a half pages long because yeah. we've got to read the book before... No, no, it's not that. I, just, I, I think that sometimes some of these books are a bit verbose for the sake of it. Yeah, and he's cut to the chase and said what he wanted to say. So what does he say in chapter four? I don't know. I've put short and sweet, but I liked it. What he basically said is you've got current state, which is where the customer is, and the future state, which is where does the customer want to be. Yes, fair enough. And uh, uh, then he sort of puts a little footnote, don't forget the emotional state, remember what they're feeling, and he's right. Chapter five, relationships don't matter, brackets, kind of. 
Or no, no, in, no, it didn't say kind of, kind of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I've put here, he's got a very good point, but I think he overstates it a little bit for the sake of his own cred. And he goes, okay, people, you've heard it your whole career. People buy from people they like. I call bullshit. See, I don't. Ah, I've got really mixed feelings about this. Because I, 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 don't, I don't think people buy for one individual reason. No. But I think if you have two equal suppliers with two equal products and the prospect likes one person, doesn't like the other, I think you'll go with the one he likes. There's an awful lot to that, lot more to that conversation point. You know, let's get it right. People buy from, well, what kind, people buy from good looking people. It depends what you like though, doesn't it? Do you like somebody who's knowledgeable? Do you like somebody who's good looking? Do you like somebody let's, who's Let's funny? get it right, Mike. I've done well because I'm good looking. You are, I, I, and I'm not generalising here, but let's just say. Let's just say. I would say there is a higher percentage proportion of people in human resources are female than there are male. Yeah, that's probably accurate, I would have said. Statistically, I bet if we looked at it. Yeah. HR software companies hire good-looking men. Yeah, they never publicly put that. But they do. Why? I absolutely agree, yeah. absolutely agree. Yeah. How, 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 how highly coveted are ladies in the ERP space? Why? Because they're selling to grumpy old warehouse managers and manufacturing. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's like, it, 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 you know, it's it's like one of those taboo subjects that nobody wants yeah. to cover. But hundred percent, that's taboo, the case. It's, it's taboo, and you, you know, somebody will somebody will complain about this. Yeah, you can protest about as being sexists. We're not actually. Mike and I operate in the only positive dis- positively discriminatory industry in the United Kingdom. Um, but there is more to the conversation. Is my point, which is. If you're good looking, sometimes that's part of why somebody buys off you. Or why they don't. If you're funny. sometimes. Yes. Or clients... why they don't. Because if you're funny, that's not going to go down well if you're selling accounting software yes, to accountants. it's just a much they don't more care. complex equation. Yeah, absolutely. Agree, around likability and there are so many variables in the why did the customer buy off you equation. But I get his point. Actually... If and the point he's making, the point about, he makes, he says, I may not like you personally, but if you're selling something that provides value, I want it. But what he hasn't put is, unless there's more than one provider. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to talk to you about this. I've put a note to talk to you, yeah, about it's going to make some great debate. But I, you know, I try to think back in my own time about stuff I've bought, solutions I've bought for the business. I'll tell you what. I don't really like our guy from Salesforce, our account manager, but I haven't thrown Salesforce out. Because you like the product more than him. Correct. And that's his point. Yeah, but his other point is, do you like our accountant? Do I? Yeah. yeah. I like our accountant. I like Jeanette. She, but she only does the same as everybody else because it's a statutory thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely me too product, is accountants it has services. to be. It's the law. Yeah. Stat accounting. It's totally me too, give or take a couple of bits. Well, the price is the only differentiator really, isn't it? But let's get it right. We did have an accountant for a while who was an incredibly likable guy who was a dismal accountant, but a charmer. Yes, And very an charming. entertainer and a take you out for a drinker. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a whole other whole But bit then in fairness to Keenan, he then actually comes up with this grid, which I did think was absolutely right, actually. Yeah, it was a very which simple... Which the grid, for those of you listening, has got one axis the, uh, that they like you and on the other axis value. And he said, listen, if they like you and it's value... Then you know, you're, a, you're, 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 you're going to win. If they think you're okay, but you provide lots of value, they'll probably buy it. If they like you, but you don't have any value, they'll probably say no, but, you know, they still like you. 
And if they don't like you, you don't add any value, you've got no chance at all. Obviously, he doesn't say that. Um, and then he goes on, actually, which I do agree with. He said, it's not that relationships aren't important. They are. After all, no one wants to do business with someone they can't stand, but it's not why people buy. And in fairness to him, he buys himself back for me there a little bit. And I do agree with that completely. Yeah, it's a, yeah, and that's absolutely. a much better way of putting it. And he's it. saying, be an expert, not a friend. And the point he's making is about Willie Loman. You know, if you make people smile, and uh, his point is a clarion call to anybody who thinks if I'm likable and lovable and I'm cheeky and I'm amenable, I'll get business. You won't. His point is you can be a bit of a dick really, but actually if you really know your shit and you get inside your customer's head, then you're going to probably be more all right than the guy that's smiley and likable. Yes, and, and in fairness to him, what's he doing in this book? He's trying to create a gap from your current state to your future state. Yeah, he's trying to shape And I think he up. overstates it a little bit to create a bigger gap, actually. Yes. Um, but then we get into chapter six, which is the gap defined. I've not read that yet. Oh, have you not? No, because right. we were only doing up to the end of chapter five today. I don't know, we were doing part one, you see, and it's, oh, it would be strange. Oh, well, why don't you tell everybody it about... Would be, it would be strange not to read oh. two and a half pages that make up the end of part one, wouldn't Pricey, it? over to you. Well, it's pretty <laughs> obvious, really, you know. And, and, and you know, you, you can sort of figure out what the chapter's about by the title, really, um, which is, I think it's become pretty clear by now what the gap is. Quite simply, it's the space between the current state and the future state. Perfect. And I think that's and a it's good a page analysis. and a half. It's as much as you need to know, listeners. Yeah, and that and that's what it is. I suspect in the next uh, part he's going to tell us about how to expand the gap. Well, and part two is called how to play. Yeah, exactly. And then I think he's going to turn into, into a little bit more of a manual. Yes, and um, a guide than necessarily a, a, a rant. Mm, absolutely. So part one for me, you know, clearly I don't like how it's written. That that goes without saying. Um, but. Um, I quite liked the content of it, actually. I think whatever word he uses in terms of... How does he word it? He, he makes some bold statement about it's completely changed the way that you think. I don't think it is uh, going to completely change the way that you think, but it'll give you some provocation in the way that you do it. Yes. And I'm hoping in the next section of the book we get into something a little bit more practical. Yes, but that's because we like practicality rather than... Theory. Uh, theory. But I didn't dislike his theory, actually. I thought, yeah. yeah. Right. And as with all of our authors, there's only so much practical you can give in a book that will then mean that you no longer need to sell any training. Correct, yeah. And Correct. The, to be fair, it appears that Keenan is in the business of selling training and therefore this has to take you to a certain point. Well, it's, which, it's clearly a salesman, isn't it? You know, yeah. He's, he's written like, you know, if yeah. you see his stuff on LinkedIn, he has that salesman aura about him. Yeah. Absolutely. So really looking forward to it. I have to say, I, I, I have really enjoyed the start of this one. Have you? Yes, I have. I think he's he's making some really valid points, particularly the thing about no one likes you. I know you and I are in disagreement about that to an extent. But, you know, but that's and we life, both, isn't we it? We both agreed that it's a much more complex equation, but I, I'm very much in agreement. I think you like the fact that he's a salesperson that's up for influencing people. Yeah. And nobody really... It, 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 uh, that for me has almost become a taboo subject with so many of these in inverted commas sales thinkers well it um, depends what your definition of salesperson is your definition of salesperson would be somebody who changed somebody's opinion to their favor to buy their product i think yeah, that's selling yeah and that and that's clearly his version of selling as well isn't it it's influencing an outcome yeah yeah definitely yeah okay well in that case we'll see you all next week for another episode when's of he on keenan lauren the 20th 
we're recording. We're recording on the 20th. Cool. Right. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>